I'd like to warmly welcome you to the first Montel Weekly Energy Podcast. For those of you who don't know us, we're the leading energy wire in Europe, covering all the main stories in, in electricity, gas, carbon and coal. We are the go-to site for energy news. My name's uh, Richard Sverison. I'm the news editor in charge of our European operations, and my co-host is Anna Sivetska. Hello, I am Anna Sivetska. I'm an experienced broadcaster and podcast producer here behind all the wires and cables, making sure that everything works. Perfect, perfect. Uh, very important part of the job here, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, every week we plan to bring you a fresh episode, um, free from the constraints of, of the text, uh, which, uh, you know, of our stories online. So we, it's more of a free-flowing uh, conversational look at the, the, the main elements in, in what's happening in, in European energy. And uh, we also plan to bring in the odd special or bonus editions from conferences or interviews that, uh, that we do on our travels. Uh, we meet all the key people in the European energy markets uh, on, a, on a weekly basis almost. So I, we hope to keep you up to date on, on the main events in, in Europe, um, European energy and even global energy. Because we've opened an office, office in Sydney now, and uh, as I'm sure you're aware. Breaking news. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, please feel free to give us feedback, email us. We're on Twitter, so, you know, please grill us there. Be nice. Come on. And I think we can absolutely promise you that we'll do our best to be energized as this is um, News Energy Podcast. And we will uh, we'll have guests from um, from our bureaus around Europe and probably Sydney soon, ask them to set up a studio. Overlooking uh, Sydney Opera House or wherever, I'm not quite sure where, but uh, yeah, definitely we'll be in touch with, with Nathan, our man in Sydney. In this episode, uh, we bring you the pod from our London office. Now, uh, as you were aware, Anna, when we were setting up, there's been quite a lot of building work, uh, drilling and etc., hammering next door. So hopefully they're on their tea break. We're in London. But uh, we're not going to talk to you today about Brexit, I promise you, um, or anything Brexit-related. It will be a bee-free zone today. Yes, everyone is tired of Brexit talk already, so let's leave it behind. Absolutely. So instead, we'll focus on an area that's currently hot on everyone's lips. Power purchase agreements, or PPAs. They may not sound that sexy, but they're certainly gaining in importance across Europe, from from Spain to, to Finland Norway down to Poland. So I think it's a, it's a very important development, um, an area that, uh, that people are talking about. When I was in, in, in Essen for an e-world, one of Europe's, if not the biggest energy trade fair in Europe, uh, energy related, PPAs were a very, very hot topic, um, certainly much discussed at the Montel Bar and, and beyond. Yeah, how was eWorld? Oh, it was great. Yeah, excellent. Very busy three days. Uh, happy stand. Happy stand, happy stand, happy happy people that happy stand. That's good. Have you been there or no? Not, not this time, not this year, but I, um, I hope to accompany the Montel crew next year, hopefully. Yeah. Perfectly. We'll, maybe we'll even record live from, uh, from Essen. That would be awesome. A lot of technical work, <laughs> work <laughs> behind. Keeping but out the hubbub and yeah, and also, yeah, absolutely. Yes, and as long as there's no construction works in Essen next to the fat, <laughs> that's fine. Anyway, um, I thought um, we discussed maybe going to some basics about PPAs. Uh, before we get into the nitty-gritty and, and I'll introduce you to some of our, uh, our key Montel um, editors. PPAs, Anna, um, is this an area you're fam familiar with? Yes, I am. However, I do not have the expertise, so I hope for you to bring the knowledge to the table and also our guest. I do have the blurry idea of, of what it is and that it is actually gaining so much more interest right now mm. uh, because of the, you know, the companies wanting to focus on 100% green energy 
and also that Europe is lagging behind. Is that correct? After US? And Absolutely. I mean, they've been a, a major part of the energy landscape in the United States for a very long time. And, and now Europe, as you say, is catching up. Um, it's a lot to do with the fact that subsidies are coming to an end. The feed-in tariffs that we see across Europe are gradually being phased out. The cost of building wind and solar is becoming um, much, much cheaper. So the costs have dramatically fallen since, you know, just two years ago. And this means that they're cost competitive with, with new gas plants or even cheaper than new gas plants. So building an onshore wind or an offshore wind farm is probably now cheaper than building a, a gas plant. So this means that many companies are looking at ways to finance some of these projects. And a way of doing that is through PPAs. You know, it's, it's a secure way um, for, for developers and their bankers. It's a secure income. And for companies buying the power, it, it, it guarantees them a set price. So they, they don't have the risk of going to the wholesale market and, um, you know, reduces their risk exposure to the wholesale market or certain price, price spikes or, or whatever. Because we're talking about very, very long-term agreements, right? This is five to 20 years, the PPA. Absolutely. It could be some from three to five years, or it could be 15 to 20. But you need to secure the, the, the finances. Um, and I think, um, and who has the visibility? No one, no one has a crystal ball, so we can't say what the, the power price is going to be next week, let alone in, in, in 2035. So I think it's, um, you know, it's it's a way of guaranteeing that income for the developers. They want that, and not just the developers, but of course the banks and the people putting up the money in the first place. And I think a key element which you touched on, Anna, was uh, companies. And the companies want to be seen to be sustainable. They want to be seen to be buying green power. That includes big tech companies such as uh, Apple, Google, Facebook, Amazon, etc., but also smaller companies um, and big industrial giants, as we'll probably hear, hear, hear a bit more about later. We already hear about Norway striking deals. Exactly. So Norway's, uh, Norway and the Nordic region uh, is, is, is booming in, 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 in PPAs. We'll, we'll hear from my colleague Olaf in Oslo in a couple of minutes, uh, and he'll give us more details. But I think um, a big development there is the, the utilities signing off with the developers and and also the big industrials are getting involved, like North Kidro, big aluminium producers, like Alcoa as well. Um, and they're all, they're all very active in this field. I'm, I'm not surprised that this is happening in Norway big time. In the Nordic region, you have you've have a history of, of hydropower production. So Norway is you know, 90, 95% um, covered by hydropower. So I think, uh, well, at least its electricity consumption is. Um, um, but yes, it's becoming, as I mentioned, as costs are coming down, uh, for, for renewables and subsidies are ending, then you know um, building new new wind and renewables is becoming profitable, as long as you can secure that financing. How do we do that? Well, then you talk to a bank, <laughs> and you talk to someone who can take the power and who can provide that guarantee for 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 the price. Um, I don't think that's an easy thing. I think. PPAs, uh, they may sound simple, but and they are very, very complex entities. Um, and I think there are probably as many different types of PPAs as there are companies out there. So I think every, every developer, every company wants a different type. Um, I think broadly speaking, you could divide them into two. You could say they're corporate PPAs, which are directed at companies, where the companies want to, to get green energy. Um, they can do that in a number of ways. They can have a direct 
cable to the wind farm. So that's the private wire. Private wire, exactly. Or they they can buy the certificates, um, the green certificates, if you like, the guarantees of origin. So the the certificate that that you know basically guarantees that the powers come as as it says on the tin so it's a guarantees that the, the powers come from from a sustainable source which is wind or, or solar and it seems like a very very um attractive environment for for getting involved in this uh, we have the the targets in the european union for the rene renewables being revised uh we have a lot of noise a lot of buzz about you know being green there's of course the financing part so the green banking Absolutely. I, I think that's a very crucial element there that is each European country has to combine to meet a 32% target. Um, there are no individual targets set, but it's, it's a combined EU target. And into, and that's quite ch challenging to, to go from 20% by 2020 yeah, next year, next mm -hmm. year um, to 32% by 2030 which is also which is up by five percent originally the commission only wanted 27 percent but um pressure within parliament and um by meps pushed that up to 32 percent and to reach those targets it's very it's it's challenging and uh i think we'll see a lot more renewables build going forward um and as countries like germany exit from nuclear power and coal um The UK is almost uh, coal generation, coal-fired power generation has almost ended here. Uh, very, very minimal uh, coal. They're shutting down left, right and center, these coal-fired plants. And um, there are places such as your home country, Anna, which is obviously... Poland. Poland, yes, which is, has faces a huge challenge if it's... If we see the continued rise in carbon prices and, uh, and the dependence on foreign coal, then I think um, Poland you know, it faces some tough choices. And I think, you know, at the moment, it's not building a lot of renewables, but that, that could change. Yeah, that's a lot of discussion, especially after COP24 and Katowice. Mm. Very, very coal-oriented, so mm. that's yeah, interesting. Absolutely. I know that uh, that the current uh, regime in, in Poland is not so pro-renewables, but I think, you know, but who knows? Uh, once the, the it starts, the costs start mounting, um, that could, that may be, they may be forced to change. But I think, you know, for Poland, something like signing PPAs is is probably also a, a way of securing that finance um, and developing renewables in a secure and fairly cheap and efficient manner. So I'm, I'm surely that and that that would be a way for, for Poland and other Eastern European countries that are reliable on fossil fuels to, to proceed down that route. I don't know if there is any uh, recent data, last data I have from um, August 2018 about the record being broken when it comes to the PPAs. It was 7.2 gigawatts, right, um, signed in the, the PPAs, which was six months, and we already had a huge jump when we compared it to 2017, the entire year that it was, uh, what, 5.4 gigawatts? According to Poiri Management Consulting, who I talked to um, a couple of weeks ago, they say that... Um, It's certainly in, in Norway and Sweden, uh, corporate PPAs rose to 5.5 terawatt hours last year, which is more than doubling from the previous year. And according to other figures that reports out there, we saw you know 7.2 gigawatts being signed um, across Europe, not just in, in the Nordics. Isolate three areas in particular, or three regions in particular, and, and, and the first one being, being Norway and the Nordics, the second being 
Spain, because Spain and Iberia certainly have seen huge growth in the last few months. Uh, there was one just signed, um, a 700 megawatt deal signed last week. Fortia Ener- Energia? Yeah, they're involved. My Spanish is not too perfect. Better than my Polish, I think. <laughs> and, and Germany, because Germany has a huge amount of installed renewables, um, but it wants to expand even further. And it's, as we mentioned in the opening opening uh, parts of this pod, we, we, the feed-in tariffs, the subsidies are coming to an end, and they look, their developers are needing to find other ways of, of, of getting support or financing these deals. So PPAs are certainly becoming very attractive in, in Germany as well. But maybe it's time to call our first guest, Anna. Yes, let's do that. Who are we going to speak to? We're going to speak to Olaf Vilnes. He's the Nordic news editor based in Oslo. He's the man with all the inside knowledge. Hello, Olaf. How's life in Oslo? Is it uh, grey and cloudy or it's, sunny? It's or? very grey and cloudy. It's uh, nothing, nothing to go out for. It's, it's, it's better to sit in the office and, uh, and watch your computer. No, no reason to go out. Okay, <laughs> watch yeah. the screen. Yeah. <laughs> Good for screen time. Um, well, thank you for joining us, Olaf. We, 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 the topic today is PPAs, um, and uh, I wanted to use some of your depth and breadth of knowledge about the Nordic region. Um, could you tell us a little bit about um, developments of PPAs in, in Norway and Sweden? How, how is, how, what's the market looking like? This is really growing. I mean, this is not a new market as such. Uh, the industrials have used PPAs to secure their power consumption for for decades. But um, but there is a new thing with all the wind farms coming up and also solar farms, which is sort of be the new life into this market. And you can see a lot of deals being signed, particularly in the last couple of years. We've seen them popping up all over the place uh, with different kind of maturity from five to even... Even one deal was for North Hydro signed, which was had a maturity up to 2050, which is probably the longest signed ever anywhere in the world so far. Okay, wow. But why what solar in the Nordic region? It's not known for its sunny weather. Today it would be it's um, very strange, but uh, there was actually a news this week in Denmark, uh, a company called Better Energy that have uh, that have signed up a, a deal with a furniture house. No, not a furniture house, a fashion house. And they have uh, signed up for a 125 megawatt solar park in Denmark that will be the first of its kind without subsidies. So probably probably more sunny in Denmark than up in Oslo. But, uh... <laughs> Certainly today, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. but Olaf, why why is this happening now? And these in 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 what what what's so special about you know 2018 or 19? Um, I think it started a couple of years ago, actually, uh, 2017 already. Then you saw some deals coming up, uh, 18, 19. Uh, one reason probably is that the subsidies that you get are gradually being phased out or sharply reduced across the region. Uh, if you look at this uh, joint subsidy scheme between Norway and Sweden, the LSERT scheme, uh, uh, new plants that come online in Norway after 2021 will no longer receive such subsidies. Uh, Sweden will continue until 2030, but if you look at the prices, there's a market-driven subsidy scheme, and if you look at the prices in the late 20s, they they show that the value of certificates will drop towards zero, so they need something else, some other things to provide investment security, you, you may say, okay? and, then, and then these GPAs are getting uh, attractive. But the Nordics are 
you know, they have an abundance of renewables. Why, why build wind and um, why sign PPAs? It's a good question with wind. But if you look at the history in the Nordics, I mean, if you, if you have the, I mean, the Danes, the Danes started to, to build out wind in the, in, the, in the 80s because they wanted to get rid of oil and gas dependency. They don't have much hydropower in Denmark. Sweden have a lot of nuclear power, and of course, always their political long-term target for the Swedes to get rid of nuclear and, and just get renewables, and then they need to go to wind. And and even in Norway, you have the conditions, the weather conditions in Norway are really good for wind. Um, you have a lot of uh, power uh, exchange cables that are built to the continental Europe, mm. so there's a good idea of exporting renewables to other European countries and help with the, the green transformation in the system uh, as well. So I think there's and also the issue of uh, using electricity in new sectors like transport, um, even in the petroleum sector, they can use offshore renewables instead of local gas-fired units. Mm. So, so I think that there is use for it. There's need for, for, for wind power, um, even if it seems there's not a lot of hydropower in the region. Perfect. I mean, do, do you expect this development then to continue as well, Olav? I mean, it's not going to come suddenly come to a halt is it i mean it's this these kind of ppas are going to continue to being signed wouldn't you say probably not coming to a halt i think it will increase probably uh, for the reason i mentioned with all the um with all the uh, the subsidies being phased out you uh, it, we didn't mean we didn't mention Finland. Uh, i mean they also had uh, uh uh, there's also phase out subsidies after 2020. And there you saw, uh, for example, last year that Google, the IT giant, they signed up to a deal there to support three wind farms uh, with a combined capacity of 190 megawatts in Finland uh, without subsidies. Um, just shows uh, the interest uh, also from those uh, companies, uh, IT companies that want to show their customers that they only use uh, renewables for their operations. So, so the tech companies are the big off-takers, if you like. Who, who they are, the... are one of the off-takers. Um, uh, you mentioned Oshkidro as well. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so there are two, two different types of off-takers, you could say. You have the IT giants, you have the, uh, well, also the fashion owners, as I mentioned, in Denmark. But, but then you have the old uh, industrials, the traditional companies that always have used to sign up to long-term power purchase agreements. Uh, from hydropower, like in Oshkidro, like uh, Aquila. Um, and they've also uh, increasingly turned to wind when they want to renew their portfolios. Uh, for example, Oshkidro, they lost a lot of uh, long-term deals around 2020. Uh, many of those deals have now been replaced by wind power. Uh, for example, two of the largest wind farms that is currently being built in the region, at Husen in Norway and, uh, and Mark Bygden in Sweden. Uh, Hydro has signed up to both for long-term PPAs. Uh, to, 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 to secure enough supplies to their aluminium plants in, uh, in Norway. And how about utilities? Are they, are they also involved in this? I mean, we, you know, um, could you tell us, tell us something about the, the companies that are then sort of in the middle, or if you like, or are, you know, are, are, are actively signing with the other companies? I think it's very attractive for the large producers. Uh, you have Startcraft, who just in December signed an eight-year deal with the Norske Skog for uh, to supply their, uh, their factories in Norway for like 14 terawatt hours or eight years. Uh, they've done this for many years. Dot Gov, Gov, doing the same. It sort of locks in their earnings for many years in the future and gives them predictability. Um, uh, and, 
and they so they are very active and then you have of course the middlemen as well you have uh, companies like Neas Energy Nocentrica who used to come in there and and and, and help these companies balance the mar- uh, balance the portfolio in the market uh Axpo Trading uh, the Swiss trading house that had to ignore the unit who, who is active in this market uh, Agder Energy uh, a lot of companies who actually go in there and market and uh, Use the volumes also in the market to 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 to, to improve the value of the portfolio. Sure, I mean, it gives them a guaranteed kind of earning or some guaranteed revenue or lot. But is there? Do you think there's any limits on the amount of risk that these companies can take on board? I mean, if they are, you know, they're guaranteeing a price from some of the wind developers. If we go into several hundred megawatts, I mean, that's a huge amount of of price and volume risk. I mean, surely this, 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 they can't continue to do that, do you think? Or? I think they can. I mean, they, that's, that's what their business is all about, is taking on risk. So it's just to balance it out, probably. So they need to, um, they, they probably just need to balance the risk uh, uh, as, as well as possible. And, uh, and, uh, but, but yeah, there will probably be a limit. But I don't know where it is yet. It's still in the early days. Uh, I think many companies want to increase their portfolios rather than decrease it. And then you have new companies that probably want to enter the market. So it's probably too early to talk about our, yeah saturation. Absolutely. Perfect, Olaf. Thank you very much for your time and telling us all about um, the developments in, in, uh, in Oslo and, and in, uh, extensively across uh, the Nordic region. So thank you for your time. That was Olaf Vilnes reporting from, um, from Oslo. Thank you, Olaf. So we have the Nordics leading. As ever, or as they, they, they like to think, they're the leading uh, region for this. <laughs> for everything, happiest countries in the world and stuff. Absolutely. They come very high on that and uncertainly on, on any renewables uh, um, surveys, I think, as well. This is this closeness to nature that they promote. But I think, Anna, I, I think... You know, it's it, the Nordic development is is leading. I mean, it's leading the way in a lot of the power market stuff. It, you know, it's one of the most liquid, well-developed markets, one of the first ones. Um, the companies that are active there are active across Europe. Um, they're, they're sort of standard bearers for renewables and certainly for, for, for hydropower and for, for traded markets. Um, so I think that what's happening there is, is, is a bit of a... Is something that we can expect in other parts of 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 Europe and even the world. Um, certainly, these StartGov is active globally. Speaking of seeing it somewhere else, where should we go now? I think let's go back to Oslo. Nora Kamprad Bulli, who's the team leader for our Germany desk, so she will tell us all about um, developments in Germany. So let's let's get Nora on the line. Very good to hear another female voice. Hello. Hello, Nora. How are you? Hello. I'm good. Thanks for finding the time to speak to us, Nora. Um, we're, the topic today is PPAs and, and Germany. What, can you tell us about what's happening in Germany with, with power purchase agreements? Well, compared to other countries, I'm afraid not, not quite as much yet. Uh, the, uh, the uptake, uh, I would say, both of, of merchant and, and corporate uh, PPAs is, is still fairly muted. Uh, but it doesn't mean people aren't looking at them. There's definitely a sort of buzz going around the industry. Uh, where where people are looking at the, the opportunities there are in Germany as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I run an annual survey of uh, the companies active in the uh, direct marketing scheme for renewables, where you sell green output 
uh, from operators onto the market, so you provide a service for them. Mm-hmm. And most of those companies have said uh, that they are looking to or are already offering uh, PPA structures uh, to their clients. Mm. Um, but mostly, I think, where they uh, see any opportunities are for units that, uh, that are turning 20 years old over the next couple of years, which means they will no longer receive any subsidies uh, okay. from the German uh, renewables uh, law. So do you expect it then to sort of kick off in earnest from like 2020 when the feed-in tariffs end? Um, we will probably see more deals for those kind of uh, um, wind parks mostly already this year. We we saw a first one um, last year by uh, by Norway's Stadtkraft Markets, uh, who are the biggest uh, direct marketer in Germany and are now also, I guess, uh, taking a lead uh, on the PPA front. Uh, they signed a deal with three wind farms for 46 megawatts, and those are coming um, out of the uh, subsidy scheme from 2020. Um, and what you see with those um, um, contracts is they're fairly short. They're, I think those contracts were three to five years. Others are talking about maybe only one one year or two years maximum. Uh, it depends how old units are, how how well maintained they are, and how long you expect to be able to continue running them, given they are already. Okay, so these are new PPAs, but for older units. And you mentioned Starcraft Markets. Are any other companies very active in in this in this sector? Most of the companies uh, that I speak to uh, said they are doing this. Where companies in Germany are active are maybe more in other markets. We have uh, seen now that uh, Bayware, which is a German green marketer, uh, they are very active uh, in Spain and Portugal. Today we heard news they've opened a new office there, or are planning to. Uh, another PPA that we've heard of last year in Germany was actually from Greenpeace Energy, but that was, I think, more for, on a smaller scale and for their end-user customers, uh, where they uh, agreed from 2021 again um, to take on uh, the capacity or the uh, production from uh, from some older wind farms that are falling out of uh, of that scheme. But you will have all the big marketing houses, all companies that have a sizable trading operation, I believe that are looking to to offer these sorts of structures where either they become uh, the purchaser of the uh, of the power and then sell it on which is basically what Starcraft did they will sell the power on to Mercedes-Benz okay uh, and um yeah so and some very familiar names as well. as well yeah yeah i think uh, what what we're seeing as well that everyone's saying you're getting more interest from uh, from corporates or, or from uh, from potential buyers of uh, green uh, of those uh, green capacities or green output, uh, also in Germany. But uh, obviously, what Germany lacks is the big players you see in other markets, uh, the international IT companies, Amazon or Google or Facebook, uh, because they're not building those big data centers that they're looking to power with green energy in Germany, obviously. But you have someone like Mercedes-Benz. They are producing electric cars, and they, for their customers, I guess, uh, want to present those cars as a green choice, a green option that was not produced using dirty coal electricity. But how about new deals? Can you see are there are there new deals in the offing as well as as uh, I mean for new 
capacity, I mean, rather than new deals. It's all quite new, the deals. But um, so are the you know, new offshore or onshore wind or solar, are, are these being built on the back of PPAs? Is it something that you can... Not yet, but I think we uh, we are coming to a point where where that will become uh, a more viable option. For example, last week uh, we saw an announcement from German uh, utility EMDW that they uh, are looking to build a 175 megawatt uh, solar park in Germany, uh, subsidy free. So that means they are not looking to collect the subsidies you can still get in Germany. The problem is subsidies so far are fairly cushy still, if, if you like, for, for producers. Uh, but those new units that have to finance themselves uh, through an auction uh, process, mm. uh, for solar, the prices have fallen to €46.90 in the last uh, round uh, that was held in Germany. Okay. And when you compare that to the current Cal20 price uh, on the wholesale market of roughly around that level, you can see that starting to link that you do not necessarily require a subsidy to make to make that investment. And so, although EMW so around didn't current say they wholesale are... prices. Sorry, Nora, they're about, you know, yeah. on or around there. Okay, so that makes makes a lot of economic sense for these big companies then. Um, more sense than before. Yeah. Um, they haven't said that they would finance this through PPA, but obviously as costs for building parks come down and are closing in on, on wholesale prices, uh, the, the leap uh, into a non-subsidized uh, uh, investment structure, I think, becomes uh, uh, a lot less daunting for for more uh, uh, project uh, developers than, than what we're seeing now. For wind, it's a slightly different picture because there you can still get much uh, much stronger subsidies. Perfect. I mean, Nora, you were also at the eWorld Trade Fair uh, recently. Hmm. Was there much of a yeah. buzz around PPAs there? Oh, absolutely. There wasn't a single discussion I had with people where it wasn't brought up. Uh, and it's hard to tell if, if you mentioned it first or, or they did, but it, it's definitely something as Germany is looking to grow its renewable share um, to actually 65% of the power mix in 2030. Uh, you know, everybody's looking at ways to, to make that happen. And potentially we could see uh, as you suggested, that some new assets will be built outside um, of government-allocated um, uh, auction capacities, where you just say, I'm taking the risk, I'm building it, and then obviously you would want that backed by a long-term power purchase agreement. As I said, for now, power agreement, uh, those agreements are fairly short uh, contract length compared to 15 or 20 years in some countries in other countries. But watch this space, eh, Nora? Thank you very much. Um, I believe so. Thank you. That was Nora Kamprapuli, team leader Germany, uh, reporting from, from Oslo. Thank you, Nora. Well, you said at the beginning that we're not going to talk about something that sounds sexy, but it, apparently PPAs are very sexy. They're being talked about at the Montel Bar, no? then I think certainly, uh, certainly that's the way, you know. Everyone's talking about them. Where should we go now? I thought we could now head off to, to Madrid and hear directly from our, our bureau chief there, Andres Kala. He's certainly been looking very closely at PPAs. Let's get him on the line. Hola, Andres. Yep. Happy to talk PPAs. <laughs> oh, perfect, Andres. So we've got the right person on the line here. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> maybe you can talk us a little bit about what's happening on the, in, in the PPA sector in, 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 in Iberia, Andres. So it's Portugal as well. 
it's uncharted territory because we knew this was going to happen at some point. Um, uh, renewable, a huge renewable uh, capacity expansion, both in Portugal and Spain. We just didn't know how it was going to happen. Uh, we weren't sure. And of course, PPAs actually came, uh, in, to, in a matter of speaking, to the rescue because it facilitated uh, a lot of the, well, the, the firewalls, so to speak, that they were um, building a lot of these, uh, this additional capacity. Uh, PPAs, uh, Spain, Spain, or Iberian markets, uh, um, because there's market coupling, coupling pretty much all hours between Portugal and Spain, um, it, uh, it doesn't have and has a, a real price reference, long-term price reference. Forward contracts uh, only reach uh, seven-year uh, seven maturity. Uh, and even then, they were only introduced this year. So for the last five years, we've only had one or two-year uh, forward-looking view uh, um, on power prices. And it was very hard to actually commit to renewable investments uh, as a bank, especially, uh, or, or uh, to lend the money as a bank, because we didn't know how much. And we, <laughs> to a certain degree, we, there's still a lot of uncertainty on what Iberian prices will look like uh, over five years, 10 years, 15 or 20 years. Um, but because precisely because of that reason and because uh, it's a policy-driven decision uh, to increase uh, renewable capacity, PPAs uh, started uh, get, hitting, getting off the ground. It started about two years ago, very, very shyly, as you can expect. Uh, then last year we had quite a significant amount, and this year we're certainly hitting off the 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 the, 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 the year running. Um, uh, last year, at this point, we have 2.4 terawatts. I'm sorry, gigawatts of uh, PPAs signed. Uh, as I said. Most of it happened in last year and this year. This year, we already signed uh, seven, uh, almost one giga uh, 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 compared to 1.4 uh, total before that. Um, and it's coming uh, mostly as solar. There are some wind also, uh, some, some minor wind developments. Um, and, and part of the reason that would uh, explain that is because, of course, the price, uh, the, 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 the initial capex for wind power installations is higher, thus it's, uh, it has been more difficult to find proper fin financing for it. Whereas wind power, I'm sorry, solar power, portable power specifically, uh, is a lot cheaper uh, and you can install it rather easily. And there are, there's, this is certainly the land for it, as we know. Iberia has the sun. Absolutely. <laughs> certainly, certainly sunny in, uh, sunny in Spain. Yeah, um, it is, it is. Um, there's not much rain that falls on the plain, so we hear. But uh, so, uh, did, do you expect um, this, this development to continue, Andres, uh, this year or next? I think it must. I don't think we really have a lot of a choice in that um, this year, next year, and going forward. The reason why is because we have, because of the renewable capacity that has already been mandated. So the government uh, already auctioned, and this was in the previous three years, about, uh, let's see, eight and a half gigawatts of, re of renewable power. Uh, around five of that was wind power. The remaining, the remainder was uh, solar for the photovoltaic power, um, and, and obviously this is subsidized, but it's not subsidized in the usual fashion, and I say usual uh, only in, uh, in comparison to Iberia itself. 
the, the tenders in Iberia used to be very cumbersome and they literally uh, paid subsidies when needed to make sure uh, the technology got off the ground. Nowadays, the government reformed the tenders or the, the, the terms around the tenders, and you only get subsidies if and when the power prices are below a, a, well, a floor uh, a, 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 that has, is never really reached. So it only serves mo uh, most of the time as a psychological, <laughs> really, yeah. Uh, uh, um, yeah, a floor for banks. Okay. Because a lot of this has, has been overbanked. I mean, a lot of the bottlenecks, it's the, there's a lot of interest in building. There's a lot of money to build, to develop. There's great uh, uh, places to do it. The Spanish prices or Iberian prices uh, offer a rich premium on European prices. Our prices last year averaged um, more than 55 euros a megawatt hour. This year, our average is beyond that. Of course, it's winter, but... We expect that uh, expect them the 55 figure uh, megawatt hour figure to continue into this year, next year, and slowly, gradually start falling. But it's still going to uh, offer a premium compared to other European power. So markets. a very good revenue stream and, for some companies. Could you tell us a little bit about the companies that are involved? I mean, we've we've heard from um, from the Nordic region in Germany that are companies like Startcraft, Vattenfall, Baywa, others. Um, what about in Spain? Who are the the companies that are that are most active there, Andres? So specific names. Um, uh, the biggest player by far is a company. is a is a it's a small utility uh, slash retailer, big rate retailer called Audax. It's Barcelona based, actually Barcelona, which is beside Barcelona. Um, and it's it, like other retailers uh, that have, that have sprouted in the last couple of years. They pretty much sell uh, to end users based on their renewable profile. So this company has signed already. Uh, the most recent one was this month, one point, uh, almost 1.4 gigawatts of, PP, of PPAs out of the 2.4. So that's comfortably more than half. Yeah. There, uh, the the other, and uh, there, there was also another recent PPA involving a, one of the biggest uh, industrial. Players here, or well, a, 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 a company created from all the industrial players just to uh, well, buy power for them. It's called Fortia, this trading house. And Fortia also signed a, a similar PPA, in this case with Statcraft. Now, what do these two PPAs uh, or the the, 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 the the number of PPAs that have been signed recently, They uh, what do they have in common? Number one, that they're being negotiated and signed around base load supply which means of course that there there are they no longer need those complex equations that the original contracts had uh, based on uh, plus or minus options on solar power wind power no they're they're, they're the, the generators like statcraft like uh in the case of audax uh, they signed with um, uh, an Irish developer who works a lot with Allianz, the, uh, the German uh, uh, insurance uh, uh, company that has a, cap, uh, a capital uh, market unit. And they're the ones who are actually paying to have another Irish company build the solar farms in Iberia. And then comes Audax, going, uh, and, they're, and, and they're buying this, uh, the supply from from these new solar installations and they're base load and at a fixed price too 
they're guaranteeing supply and price, uh, which means that they have they must they, there is a clear price reference being developed in Iberia, something that has never happened. Mm. So it's positive um, for the wider wholesale market because you're getting some price liquidity out on the curve for 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 the general market participants. So it's it's uh, it's a win-win situation, if you like, then, Andres. And we're seeing it. Mm. We're actually seeing it. And uh, this year, we've seen more liquidity. And actually, it started late last year, but we're seeing more liquidity liquidity in the longer dated contracts. The, the Cal 2021, Cal 2022, in fact, uh, and the, the, the and we, bizarre trades, bizarre for Spain anyway, because historically, this the, even in the contract contract offered, you would never see any liquidity whatsoever, even even on, on bilateral markets. Now we're we're starting to see on within the market exchange trader or even OTC, we're starting to see more liquidity, and it's. It, it, it's related, and it's thanks to uh, these PPA uh, uh, well, price uh, benchmarking that, that that's happening now, and the fact that yeah, we're getting proper financing uh, to get uh, a lot of these deals off the ground. Andres, thank you very much for your time. So, Andres Kalar, our bureau chief in Madrid. Well, I think we've heard quite a quite a wide variety of of different. Um different types of PPAs and uh, a lot of familiar companies cropping up here all the time. Mercedes and Alliance, the insurer, you know, and um, Startcraft seems to come up quite a lot. So they're obviously very active across across the region. So I think we did the know-how of PPAs. I think we did today. Thanks to our guests from uh, different bureaus Absolutely. in Europe. That's it for this week's edition of the Montel Weekly Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. This episode was brought to you by Anna Svetska. And and Richard Swarson. Thank you to our guests, to Olaf, Nora and Andres. For more energy news, check out the Montel website, subscribe and follow us on Twitter at Montel News. Be sure to tune in next week. Bye. Bye.